this morning, we're beginning a brand new series called I Choose, and we're going to be talking about uh, this over the next five weeks. Today, we're going to talk about choosing purpose over popularity, and next week, we're going to talk about choosing surrender over control. So for those of you that are control freaks, and I know some of you are, uh, you'll want to make sure that you're here next week uh, for that. Now, uh, what I really want you to get over these next five weeks is that um, we are simply a sum total of the choices that we've made. You and I in our life, we are simply a sum total of the choices that we've made. Now, one of the choices that I've made in my life is to seek the approval of other people. Uh, since I was very young, I sought the approval of my parents and my siblings, teachers, coaches. When I got older, it was seeking the approval of girlfriends and my homies and, you know, everyone else that was kind of in my teenage world. And then as I've become an adult, I sought to seek the approval of people in the church, of my kids, and most of all, my wife. Um, hopefully she's here today. I'm seeking your approval, babe. Um, but that's the people that I've done that. But probably the most memorable person I can ever uh, remember in my life of trying to seek the approval of was my mother-in-law. It was 1993, and my wife Jennifer and I had simply been dating for about five months and uh, we decided that we were going to go to Fort Wayne, where my mother-in-law lived. We were going to pick her up and take her out to eat. And in doing this, I had only met her about three or four times before this. So I wanted to make a really good impression. I wanted to seek her approval. So I pulled out my best cologne at the time, which was Polo Sport. Uh, you might remember that. And I like put it all over my body and I'm like, man, I'm smelling good and I'm looking good. And by the time this encounter with my girlfriend's mom, she's going to be like, oh, would you please marry my daughter? Just like, please marry her. So we set up a time and a place and we came to Fort Wayne. We picked her up. And I cleaned up my car, which I usually never did in college. And what used to always smell like sweaty socks and beer, I got all of this fragrance and like put it all in the car. And it was like smelling really, really good. And I'm like, this is going to be amazing. She is just going to look so forward to this. And so we pulled up to their house. I got out and I was really polite. I opened up the door. I allowed her to get into the back seat. And we were off to the restaurant. And I pulled up in my 1979 Pontiac Grand Prix, and I thought to myself, this is it. Like, she is going to be so excited. Now, everything seemed to be going really well once we got to the restaurant. And, I mean, like, I didn't burp, you know. Um, I didn't chew with my mouth open. I was very articulate. Um, you know, I looked like a really nice young man. But then about halfway through the dinner, all of a sudden I noticed that Jen's mom started crying. And I thought to myself, she has been moved to tears. Like, I have made such a good impression. I have sought the approval of this woman that she is moved to tears. 
Um, but instead, this is what she said. I'm not feeling well. Can you please take me home? And immediately I was like, no problem. We get back in the car. I'm still smelling look good, looking good. The, the car is as well. And I thought it was a little strange that she cut the dinner short, but, you know, thought that, you know, maybe she got sick or had some bad food. But I knew I had made a good impression and I had gained her approval. I mean, I had the cologne, folks. I had the car. I mean, like this was all there, the politeness. I had brought this woman to tears, and I just knew I was in. Well, the next day, uh, the truth came out. Jen's mom called Jen, and this is what she said. She said, I've never been so sick in all of my life. She said, that boy wore so much cologne that it gave me a migraine. And once we got to the restaurant, I thought it was going to get better, but his driving was horrible. He was all over the road. I almost threw up in the back seat, Jennifer. I never want to drive with him again. Well, little did she know that the cologne wearing, the Reckless driver soon became her son-in-law. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know you're watching, mother-in-law, so uh, that's it. But folks, the, the truth is we all want to seek the approval of other people. We all do. Now, it might not be with cologne and a car, but there's something innate in each one of us that we want other people to like us and we want their approval in our life. If you would, I'd like you to take a moment, uh, everybody on the stream, if you can do that as well, just to close your eyes. So trust me on this, nothing weird, I promise. Just close your eyes for a second. Get relaxed. And I want you to imagine right now that everyone likes you. Everyone accepts you. Everyone approves of you. No matter what you do, everyone thinks you're awesome. Okay, now open your eyes. Did you enjoy that? Guess what? It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. You are never going to be able to seek the approval of everyone. You're never going to have everyone like you. It is an impossibility for you to be able to experience that. And yet, many of us will go through our entire lives just simply trying to seek the approval of someone else. And how do we do it? Well, we choose to make that our purpose than something else. We often will go through our lives saying, do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you, do you like my hairstyle? Do you like my clothes? Um, do you like what I put on Instagram? You didn't put like yet, so I don't know if you did or not. Do you like me? Do you like what I put on Facebook? You know, it's been posted for 10 minutes. Uh, come on, please go ahead and respond in some way. Do you like what I'm doing? Am I important enough to you? Do I fit in? Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? And before long, many of us, without even thinking about it, we are literally living for the approval of other people. 
I mean, instead of finding the purpose that God has created us for, we are trying to seek the approval of others. We're actually asking other people, can you tell me my purpose? What do you want my purpose to be? That's what I'll do, whatever it is. So, for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is talk about choosing purpose over popularity. In fact, I'd like you to simply repeat after me uh, this phrase, uh, and I'll break it up, but just repeat after me. I choose purpose. Okay, we can do better than that. Okay, let's do it again. Uh, I choose purpose over popularity. Everybody on the stream, same thing. Again, I choose purpose over popularity. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and you can... Fill it out in your program if you want to, or on the JAR app as well. And it's this. Living for the approval of people keeps you from the purposes of God. Living for the approval of people keeps you from the purposes of God. Now, this morning, I want to give you an example of a guy in the Bible by the name of Moses who actually chose purpose over popularity. He was born a slave, a Hebrew slave. But he was adopted by Pharaoh's family. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. He's like the the president of a country. And throughout Moses' life, all he knew was royalty. Anything and everything he wanted was at his fingertips, and he was taken care of, no matter what he needed. He lived a very comfortable life, but as he became an adult, he chose his calling over comfort. He chose his calling over comfort. And here's how we hear about his story in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, what did he do? He, what's the next word? He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of what kind of value? What's the next word? Greater. Greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Now, why did he do this? The text tells us. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. He was actually looking ahead to his reward. You see, he chose purpose over popularity. He chose calling over comfort. Now, the word purpose, unfortunately, especially in the church, becomes really big sometimes. And people always think of purpose with a capital P. Like, big kind of P. This is my purpose until I die. Okay, this morning, I don't want you to think about it as a capital P, but I want you to think it as a lowercase p, that there are these small little P's that we need to actually commit to these purposes that we do daily, moment by moment, day by day. We simply try to be obedient to what God is calling us to do in small letter case. For example, someone comes into your life. And all of a sudden you can tell they're kind of discouraged. What's your purpose? 
Your purpose is to give them some encouragement. Your purpose is to say, hey, how can I build you up? Um, hey, you're doing great. How do you give that person hope? Uh, another person comes into your life and they have a need, a need that you could meet. And so what do you do? Well, if financially, if you can meet that need, you try to do that. If not, if it's like watching their kids or encouraging them in some way, you, you do that small, lowercase p. And this is what I found, is that when we are obedient to those small letter case p's, over time, God gives us clarity on what the big Capital P is that he wants us to be a part of. It's not about one big purpose, though. It's about being obedient to those small ones because there is power in our purpose. So what I want to do is share with you this morning three thoughts about power in purpose. So are you ready? Okay, that was horrible. Okay, are you ready? Ready, ready. Okay, here we go. Uh, here's the first one. Purpose diminishes distractions. When you have a purpose in your life, it diminishes distractions. Now, one of the biggest distractions that I think you have and I have too is comparing. We are constantly comparing ourselves to someone else. He's got a better paying job than I do. I bet I don't even make half as much as they do. Um, you know what? I have all these friends, but they're all dating people and they're engaged and they're married. And I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. I mean, why is it that when she does her TikTok dance, TikTok can't stop, boo, boo, boo. All of a sudden she gets 500 likes, but when I do it, I don't get that many likes at all. Why is that? My kids later on will be like, Dad, don't do that again. Just just don't. Just don't. They barred me from TikTok. I wanted to get one, but they said no, so that's it. But middle school, high school kids, a lot of times there's a sense of I'm comparing myself to someone else, whatever it is. But it's with adults too. Man, look at the home that they have. I can barely afford my apartment that I have right now. And before long, what takes place is you come into a valley of comparison. I call it the curse of comparison, and it can kill you folks if you live there. Purpose, though, diminishes that. One of my favorite examples in the Bible is that of the story of Nehemiah. His story is in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And his story kind of goes like this. Nehemiah is heartbroken because he comes to the city and he notices that the walls of the city have been torn down. And he looks at this and he's so heartbroken that as he looks at the walls, he's like, you know what, somebody's got to do something. We've got to rebuild the walls. And if somebody else isn't going to do it, then I'll do it myself. But we've got to do something. I'm stepping forward. And Nehemiah was an amazing leader, and so he gets these group of people together, but he's such a good leader that he says, I'm not just going to have you do it, I'm going to work right beside you. And one day, he's on this wall, and he's taking these stones, and he's putting them on the wall, and he's building this wall, and everything is going well. When all of a sudden, two of God's enemies to his plan, the two names were Sanballat and Tobiah, 
And they come up and they start shouting insults toward him. They say, hey, Nehemiah, what are you doing? You're an idiot. Like, you think you can build the entire wall around Jerusalem? You can't do it. It's not going to happen. You'll never complete it. And we're going to stop you. We are going to crush you. We're going to crush your people. We're going to crush your God. How many have ever known that when you start to do something right, when you start to do something for God, that there'll be some distractions? Have any of you ever experienced that before? You start doing the right thing. You start doing the thing that God wants you to do. And all of a sudden, the distractions like flow in. So what does Nehemiah do? Well, he just keeps on working. He's on top of this wall and he's putting these stones up and he looks down and there's all this discouragement and insults and everything's being thrown up. And he just keeps on working. He just keeps on putting up the stones. He looks down and he hears all these naysayers and all of these um, haters that are down there. And he just keeps on working. We all have them, don't we, folks? We all have haters. People that are trying to... Take us down. Well, Nehemiah looks down and the scripture says this. He turns to his enemies and he says, I'm doing a great work. I can't come what? Down. He says, hey, I'm doing a great work here, boys. I can't come down. I'm fulfilling the purpose in this moment. No, I don't have the entire wall built, but I'm doing a small letter case P and I'm just doing it one at a time. I can't be distracted by your opinions and what you're thinking about. I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. When I started uh, the jar, I had absolutely no idea how to start a church. And so I went to these church planning conferences, three of them, and they would teach you how to start a church. And I would go to these uh, conferences and they said, now, where, why, where are you starting it? And I said, well, in Muncie, Indiana. They said, Muncie? Muncie? Like the population is declining. Industry was moving out. The economy is not going well at all. Um, we just want you to know, we don't think this is a good idea. And if you do this, you're going to fail. And at that point, I was like, thank you for the encouragement. May I have another, you know? It's like, thank you so much. Well, as, as you can imagine, I'm hearing all these naysayers at these conferences, and I'm getting discouraged and, and overwhelmed. But, but I really felt like to everything within me that this is where God was asking me to start the church. And then it hit me one day. At the end of my day, at the end of my life, I will not stand before some church guru to try to ask him, was I obedient? I will stand before a God who will ask, with what I gave you, Chris, what did you do? Were you obedient to that? And so I just had to start saying, I'm not going to listen to the naysayers. I'm going to do the work that God has called me to do. Folks, I don't know what it is that might be stirring in your world right now or that God is asking you to do. It may be a small lowercase p for you to do, 
But if you're trying to do the right thing, I'm telling you, you're going to have some distractions. Distractions. You're going to have some distractors. For example, if you're trying to get out of debt and you decide what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring a brown paper bag. I'm going to pack my lunch and you take it to work. When you get to the uh, when it comes time for lunch, everyone's going to be like, dude, what are you doing? Come on, man. We're going out to eat. Come with us. Or if you drive up in a car that isn't as nice as what they have, they're like, what are you doing with that old jalopy? Just go ahead. Go out and get in debt. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I can't be disturbed. I'm doing a work, a good work, and I can't come down. Uh, Maybe you're trying to work on a relationship with someone who has hurt you. Someone that the rest of the family or other people are like, you should just get rid of them. Why are you still married to that person? Why are you still having a relationship with your parents? Why don't you just walk away and you go, no, 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 no. I've got a higher calling. Uh, I'm doing a good work here. I can't come down. You see, God's asking me to do something and I can't come down. Folks, purpose diminishes distractions. I'm not living for the approval of other people. I'm living for the purposes of God. I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. Here's the second thought about the power of purpose. Purpose pushes through pain. Purpose pushes us through pain. Whenever you have a purpose, it gives you a motivation that even if there are going to be some hurts, I'm going to push through it. How many of you know it will be painful towards your purpose? Anybody know that at all? That if you have a purpose, it's going to have some pain connected to it. My oldest daughter, uh, this uh, weekend, she ran in a cross-country race. And she's like, Dad, there was some pain there once I got past the first mile. Yeah, because your purpose wasn't to stop at the first mile. It was to get all the way to the end. There's going to be some pain to get through your purpose. I mean, the pathway to purpose is always paved with pain. Every single time. The pathway to your purpose in life, there will be pain within it. Some of you are like, oh, I'm so glad I came to church today. You know, like, thank you. And think about it, folks. These past 18 months, it's just been like day after day, month after month, pain. COVID has created pain. Our lives, our families, our community, our nation, our world. Just think about it. Three years ago, no one even talked about COVID. We had no idea. And then all of a sudden that came into our vocabulary and then masks and vaccines and people have different opinions and there's different thoughts and there's all this going on and churches got sucked into it as well. And there has been pain that has happened through all of this. But this is what I want you to know, that even though there's been pain, the purpose of this church has never stopped. The purpose of this church is the same as it was on day one. Our mission has never changed. We are going to love people, all people, no matter how, who they are or what they are, because we love people, because people matter to God. Our mission is loving our community into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ can change everything. He can help you through anything. 
Jesus is the reason why this church exists. And no matter what the pain is, we will not stop. And there has been pain. And every now and then, though, I don't mind having a little resistance. I don't mind having a little pain. Because purpose helps me to push through it. I mean, I've got a higher calling. I can't come down. I'm doing a good work. The critics, the naysayers, the haters can say what they want, but they can't stop God of what he wants to do in your life, in your family, and in this church. So what does purpose do? Purpose diminishes distraction. Purpose pushes through pain. And a final thought is this. Purpose empowers you to please God. Purpose will always empower you to actually please God. In the New Testament, we're given a story of two of Jesus' disciples, uh, John and Peter. And Jesus has died on a cross and he rose three days later and he appeared to over 500 people and then he ascends back to heaven and he tells them, hey, my purpose for you is to spread the good news that I've given to you now to the rest of the world. Well, what happened was some of the Jewish leaders at that time were like, this isn't working. You can't do this. You can no longer teach or preach the name of Jesus Christ. You've got to stop saying his name. Just stop it. And do you know what they did? Like, sorry. Can't do it. Can't do it. Why can't you do it? Ah, the reason I can't do that is if you know how much I've been forgiven, if you knew how much I've been loved, if you knew how much I've seen, you would realize that there is absolutely no way that I can ever stop sharing the name. And you can beat us, but we'll come back. You can put us in prison, but God will actually get us out. And then they gave this powerful statement, we must obey God rather than human beings. Let's all read that out loud together. We must obey God rather than human beings. Who one must we obey? God. We obey God rather than human beings. Why? Check this out. Because we can't please human beings. You can't please another human being. We can't please everybody. And yet... For some of us, we've worked so hard of our life to do that. In fact, some of us have actually caved, and I have before in my life, I've caved to being a people pleaser. And what does a people pleaser's day look like? Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like what I'm wearing? Do you like my hairstyle? Do I look good in these jeans? Do I look fat in these jeans? Husbands, if you ever get that question, there's only one answer. No, no, you don't even don't 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 pause. Just come right out at it. No, you don't. Okay. well, do you like what I text you? Remember, I sent that text to you and, you know, it's been 10 minutes and I see the bubbles. I can tell that you're like thinking about it. Do you not like me anymore? Are you mad at me? Why didn't you call me back? Why didn't you text me back? Or how about this one? I go to church. I'm a Christian. Is that okay with you? Is it okay? If it's not, maybe I could just be like a, 
a watered-down Christian. Maybe I'll just kind of be a Christian every now and then. Do you like me? Do you think I'm funny? No, I'm asking you right now. Like, do you think I'm funny? I mean, like, I spent a lot of time on that mother-in-law illustration at the beginning. You don't know how much time I worked on that. You have no idea what I tried to do to make you laugh, and some of you didn't laugh. Do you like me? How about the people on the balcony? Do you like me? I mean, I really worked hard on that teaching. Some of you are not sleeping, are you? Like, I've really done a lot there. And folks, living to please people keeps you from the purposes of God. And here's the deal. You can't please everybody, can you? You can't. Now, earlier, I gave you this kind of um, experience of closing your eyes and saying, hey, I want you to imagine right now that everyone likes you. That was stupid, wasn't it? It's stupid. There's absolutely no way that everybody likes you. You cannot please everyone. But, but this is what I want you to know. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. And folks, if this is true, and I believe to my, my depths of my heart that it is true, then why do we spend so much time being consumed trying to please other people? You know, each of us are called to live according to the purposes of God. And so we have to remember, hey, I'm doing a good work here. I can't come down. I don't care what the haters say, the naysayers. I'm doing a good work here. I can't come down. Your opinion doesn't really matter that much to me. I mean, you can make fun of me. You can put me down. You can talk behind my back when I'm with the other people in the work. You can gossip about me. You can say you're never going to make it. But I want you to know that no matter what you say, God has given me a good work and I can't come down. And your purpose for your life starts with these small little pieces of being obedient day after day, moment after moment. And within time, God gives you a capital P and you know what it is and you'll live the rest of your life doing that. That's why for me, I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want to do anything else because I know the purpose why God created me. And that is to move people in this area to know that God loves them. And there's power in purpose. And so today, I hope many of you will say, I choose purpose over popularity. Because I can't please everybody, but I can please God. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, thank you so much for choosing us 
in spite of how often we mess up. Empower us, God, to serve you, to be faithful to you, to please you above everything else. This morning, I want to have a prayer, first of all, for those of you who would be Christ followers, or you say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing my best to be a Christian, if that's you. I just have a question for you. Have you kind of got sucked into people-pleasing? I mean, I know for me, it's probably a number one or number two distraction in my life that I just have a tendency to really want to please other people. Are the people on the stream happy with me? Are the people here live? Are the people in the balcony? And, and it gets old over that. But, but maybe today you take a step like I want to take and say, you know what, God, I, I don't want to give in to that anymore. God, I really, really don't want to do that. God, help me to choose purpose over popularity. And if you're like, I want to do that, Chris. I don't know if I can, but I want to. Would you just raise your hand for a second? No one's watching. Just wherever you're at, every eye closed. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for each hand that is raised. Because these people want to serve you and please you more than people. Help us, God, to do that this week, to put you first. And when we're tempted to cave and please other people, give us the strength to turn to you and please you and please you alone. You can put your hand down. Now, maybe today, for some of you, the reality is you've never made a commitment with Jesus Christ. Or maybe you drifted away from God and you're kind of drifting back. But today is like a day in which you're like, man, I've been trying to please other people. I've been trying to please myself, but that is not working anymore. I'm going to try to please God. That's what I'm going to do. Small, lowercase p's, but starting tomorrow, I'm going to please him. And if that's you, I simply want to invite you in a prayer. If today's the day in which you say, I need to please God and God alone and see what happens. And I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. I need his love. I need a second chance. I need a fresh start. I need something that can help me through this curse of comparison. The curse of trying to please everybody else. I need Christ in my life. I want to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself. But we always pray together here at the jar in community. And so I invite you right now to simply repeat this prayer out loud, but it's your prayer as we pray it together. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my heart to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. No more pleasing people. I just want to please you. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for our live stream today. If you prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate with you. So be sure to tap that raise hand button or go to thejar.org slash accept. We'd also love to connect with you. So you can head to thejar.org slash stream to connect, give, or give us any prayer requests that you might have. Have a great week and know that you are loved.